everybody. Yay. Welcome back to another episode of Star Sound Speaks. Um, this is Irliana Samsara and Star Sound Astrology coming to you um, from uh, two locations here. <laughs> we have, our, I am so, so excited because we have SJ Anderson with us today um, from who is an American uh, living in, currently in Belgrade in what was formerly Yugoslavia, now Serbia, I think. Um, so um, welcome. Thank you so much for being here, SJ. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here. And it's just so nice to get to talk with you today. So thank you for, for having me on, for sure. You know, I have to say, um, so so everybody out there, we SJ and I were supposed to start our conference an hour ago. We have not stopped talking. And it was like this most outrageous journey. So um, we kept saying to each other, OK, we got to start the, I, I really got to start the recording. But, you know, you know how when you meet somebody and, they, and they, you just have such a resonance. And I have to say that I have um, always felt that about SJ. I, I met him on Twitter. and resonated just just the, the 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 messages the wisdom but it was more than just what he was writing it was the his energy and his spirit behind that and it was just so outrageous so um anyway i'm just thrilled because this is something that i wanted to do for a really long time and we just had the most outrageous conversations so we're gonna we're gonna share this um we had a lot to say that was being uncovered and um, it started out with, oh, let's talk about the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction that's coming up because of course you guys, you know how important that is. And I've been mentioning it before on the podcast and now as well on YouTube coming in mid-December and it's a huge game changer. And it's a very big you know, shift, a cosmic shift. And yes, of course, I'm gonna ask you SJ to you know, share with us about all that, but um, but I just have to say too, and I feel this is really important that, um, you know, um, I, I um, before we got on, uh, I just said this little prayer in the language of light, you know, and so, um, which is a star language, it's not English, you know, and it just come, it's, it's the source from which Sanskrit, Hebrew, Tibetan, Chinese, you know, uh, sacred languages that they talk about in the in the keys of Enoch. It's it's the source language, you know, for for all of that, and um, and I just it just flowed, and and what I got was that, um, and and it really became clear to us just as way of introduction that you know there, there's a lot to be said about in astrology that there is the there are different you know. And it's fine, and it, there's no judgment here. But there's there's different camps, uh, different people on in the spectrum, and you know how important it is to talk about spirituality with astrology. So maybe we could just start there. And I would just like to uh, ask you, SJ. You know, um, you you know, I know you're from Austin. You know, how long have you been doing astrology? How did you discover it? And and you've had the spiritual path your whole life, or at least part of your life. And you know, how did that all happen? When did one thing occur? And how did it all blend? And maybe we can just start there. And because I, I feel that, that what you shared with me was so important. And I feel that it, it's going to give it gives me permission. And I feel it's going to give a lot of people out who are listening out there permission that don't want to feel judged and want to open their heart to like very, very cosmic expressions of, of astrology. So I don't yeah, know, I, start there. For sure, I'll jump in here. And I, and I, I will say for me, and this might sound strange, but you know, the, the difficult childhood I had uh, is really where I think um, 
the openings began and I was, and it goes to this idea that love, you know, love is um, where we feel pain. Um, and, and that's, you know, I had, my mother died when I was 11 and that really changed everything about my just makeup and who I am and how I approach the world. You know, I was kind of a mother's boy. And when she died, it just, it just wounded me at a really deep, deep level. And to recover from that, um, I had to have a spiritual life. I mean, I had to somehow heal that pain and that woundedness. And so I was forced to kind of go deep with the healing that, that is needed, you know, and that's how I started on my spiritual journey. So that was when I was 11. Then I had some years of just trying to cope with the pain of that. And by the way, I think that it's not necessarily, I mean, that's one manifestation of, of woundedness, but I do think that there's also a, um, a core woundedness that can happen just by being incarnated in, into the human form. I mean, we're separated from whatever divine source may, might be out there. I mean, the human form itself is the nature of it is decay and um, discomfort. You know, um, Buddhism has been very important to me and that first noble truth of um, suffering um, is, is I take that to be just true on its face from my experience that, I mean, it's, the day is constantly managing suffering, you know, and then people die and, you know, and so this, this awareness of my particular pain, but I think this, this larger pain that humans are all experiencing propelled me to just seek spiritual, really medicine. I needed it to, to heal. I mean, I wasn't going to last very long holding in deep wounds like that. Did you have and, any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I had one brother and he's, you know, a piece of work. Uh, we're together now and we were friends now and we, we communicate somewhat regularly, but, you know, we were traumatized by that, that our nuclear family was just kind of just nuked to, you know, and, and that is a really difficult thing to go through for anybody. I know listeners out there, they're going to have their own version of that kind of just trauma is the best word for it. My definition of trauma is when something happens it's so intense emotionally that it can't be processed at that time. So we have to sub submerge it. Right. And then we live with it unconsciously usually. And, and then until we can make it conscious right. um, through usually reenacting the trauma and difficult pain, and then it can be seen, healed and integrated. And so I had my own version of that in my early late teens and early twenties. And I was fortunate enough in my early twenties to find the, uh, Vipassana meditation practice in the Theravada Buddhist tradition. And it's actually really an eclectic Western spiritual tradition, you might describe it as, because these centers that emerged were um, people coming back from India, from Burma, from Thailand. These were psychedelic hippie types that sort of broke from the, the um, maybe drug scene or the music scene or more the art scene. And they went for the spiritual side. I was, we were talking earlier about Ram Das. I think he's a great example, an intellectual, a professor, but then went to India, found Neem Karoli Baba, learned spiritual practices, gained spiritual knowledge, brought it back to the West. And then they started center some of these guys. And so people like Joseph Goldstein, Jack Kornfield, Sharon Salzberg, that, that tradition is what I was able to enter into in my early 20s. And I spent a lot of time at Spirit Rock Meditation Center uh, and at uh, Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts. And then in Texas, there's were some centers that were associated with the, um, those organizations. And that, it, I mean, I had to do it to heal. So I was a, I, I practice uh, Vipassana since that time. It's a big part of my daily practice. I don't think I would be alive without it. I certainly wouldn't be sane <laughs> yeah, without I mean, it. I do that so. 
Vipassana, it was from uh, Sri Genka. I did it in January when I knew the Saturn-Pluto conjunction was coming up. I'm like, okay, what can I do constructive? And I rang in the new year, the new decade in silence, 10 days. It was amazing. Oh, wow. I'm so right you know, there with your brother. <laughs> yeah, you know what that's like then. Yeah, it's, it, there's nothing like it. It changed me at a visceral, fundamental level. Uh, and then that's why I keep practicing it because oh. it's 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 healing. I mean, it's I require it. Um but yeah, I had about probably 40 to 50 days in my early 20s and um, of silent retreats. And then from there, um, you know, I found yoga and I'd always just, it just, that's been my path. And, you know, I've done some psychedelics uh, for sure. I've had those journeys, but basically, oh, the other thing is that I'm um, a sober person. So I threw my, it's in my family lineage, uh, hardcore alcoholism. And I unfortunately ha got that, inherited that. And so that was part of those early years, coping with the trauma, with that that family tendency. And then I had to basically emerge from that as a sober person and the spiritual component of that healing. It's the same, really, it's the same at its core. You know, the trauma, the, um, the, the um, obsession with wanting to avoid the trauma, to change the, the emotion and the mental states through through substances. So it's all kind of the same transaction at one level, but the spiritual solution is required. I mean, you see it in the recovery community that you have to have a spiritual solution to the alcohol or the other addictions. Right. So I was fortunate to come through that. I really feel very, very fortunate. Um, but it's so that's been my spiritual life. And then I found tarot and I'm just taking you through to the, the astrology. I'll try to get through this quite quickly, but then I started studying um tarot is i think the next big turning point there um and that was in about 2010 um i was just uh with as the internet emerged there was, i was seeing tarot maybe early memes people associating the cards with other symbols and how reality was unfolding you know 9 11 happened that was a big part of my everything about my worldview was being young when that happened but there's the tower trump card the uh, i guess that's the 15th tarot trump or no the 16th tarot trump um and people were saying well look it's this this uh, lightning struck tower that's collapsing and then we had this 9 11 event which was so it's just like seared into the collective for my generation for really the collective sure. reality so i was like this is too uncanny you've got these ancient esoteric symbols mirrored in reality so i became a student of the tarot and that was my great kind of occult obsession for about five years. I was deeply involved in the tarot. I had my own deck that I made. This was in the early teens. Um, and that culminated when I met an astrologer, Dr. Jen Zart. I met her in Boise, Idaho at a festival there. We had some mutual friends and we all ended up living at this uh, like gigantic house, about 10, 12, 15 people for this festival. And um, I talked to her, uh, we were living in the same house. It was only about a weekend, maybe four or five days, but we had just a few conversations. It wasn't even like we got in with each other and really locked heads at all. But she just said a couple of things and th they were this, the 12 year Jupiter cycle. She introduced me to that. I had no idea. I mean, this is how much of a neophyte I was. You didn't know but anything about astrology. Well, I knew the tarot symbolism. So the tarot has these correspondences to the planets and the zodiac signs. And so I had been working with those from a cardomancy and tarot perspective, but it's it's such a surface perspective. And I didn't know anything about the astronomical side of it. It was more just the symbolic side and, and how, how these symbols were written about with cardomancy. But she mentioned in this 12 year 
you know, I guess synodic cycle or the cycle with Jupiter and the sun and, the, and Jupiter's movement through the zodiac um, being repeated every 12 years. And I had just gone through some really intense stuff uh, that was uncannily repeated uh, 12 years um, apart. And it was with a relationship. I was my first love. I love this woman a, a whole lot. And then I didn't even talk to her. We broke up. And then 12 years later, to a T, she came back and we, we fell in love a second time. So I had been through this really intense love experience um, um, and it had this 12 year cycle. And so when she said that and I had just that just happened maybe, I don't know, three years before and I was still in, in, hurt by it. And, you know, yeah. and so um, it just cracked something open for me. And as soon as I saw that, I left Boise and I became uh, an astrologer, basically. And it took it, it took a while. That was the moment where I think I became an astrologer. I consider Dr. Zart my initiatrix, no. um, but it but it's not like I got all the knowledge instantly. Then it was just, uh, you know, all my free time was devoted to it. And I was lucky enough to find my teacher within that same uh, six month period. First, I went to my public library, checked out every book. It was all right. modern astrology. Self-taught. Uh, Self-taught. I was, I was on the self-taught route. And then I found Chris Brennan. This is in... Um, 2016 and then I took his course I just blew through it I mean it was like in a couple of months and I, I, yeah I graduated I, it was like a sponge I could I just it just it was like a download and a sponge of all of that wisdom oh. really pivoting to the ancient text to the Hellenistic texts and wow. um and so then I, I finished the course in 2016 and then I got my certificate 2017 and then since then it's been a whole other journey of like now integrating all, I mean, I'm, uh, my, the, the chassis of my practice, the lattice work is the Hellenistic model. But once you have a structure, then anything can be brought in. I mean, as you know, you can bring in asteroids, you can bring in uh, planets that aren't even, uh, they're theoretical planets. I think in Uranian astrology you have. So, Uranian. so, but I have a structure, I had a structure that was built. And then now I've done all, most of the work I've done, and I'll stop here after this, but like the, I've written two articles for um, AIM, Astrological, uh, Infinity Astrological Magazine. Those are not really about, there's Hellenistic influence, and I certainly quoted some of those older texts, but they're, they're different mundane techniques, larger mundane cycle work that was inspired by my studies, but it became something different and new. And just all the young astrologers out there, I encourage you, you know, go to your teacher, learn the basics, study with them, but you have to make it your own at some point. You yeah. have to get off the support system and become your own uh, astrologer, which that there's no rules for that. You get to write those rules. So that's a little bit of the background there. Um, and I, I hope that was it wasn't too long. I love that. Wow. And what you just said is so important for um, a person who's learning astrology. It's like, yes, it's it's like, I remember when I graduated from college, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I got a bachelor's degree. And I feel like the first year out of college, it's like, wow, this is really when school starts. It's like the end of one chapter and, the, and, and it's learning to be in the world with that. And kind of like what you said. And then also I would say too, for people who are looking for an astrologer, you're gonna, you're gonna resonate with certain people and you're not gonna resonate with others. And it's, it's just the resonance factor and how, whether it's spirituality and or the intellectual side of astrology or the spiritual meshing. So yeah, it's, it's just, you're right. And, and we have to find, it's, you, you just hit a, 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 
mother load there about being your own, being yourself, being you. We, okay, so everybody out there, we, you know, SJ and I were very deep into this conversation before we actually hit the, I hit the record button. Yeah, it's like being, and, and not being afraid of, of, uh, of that, of, of other, of what other people think. I mean, oh my God, I, I still struggle with that. You know, I mean, I, I, I said to a friend mine recently, you know, this is, I think this might be my 75th episode of the podcast, whether you're on YouTube or on iTunes, Spotify or whatever channel. It's like, and I, I said, I have made like 74 imperfect episodes, you know, but, but it's okay. You know, it's like, you just, and you, and you find your way. And so whether you're a client or a student, it's like, you're, you're going to find, and, and I, I guess you, what you're saying though, SJ, is to give yourself permission to, to do that and not, don't look back. You know, you, you have like, you got your education, you got your Hellenistic education, you know, um, Chris Brennan, I mean, here I'm, here's my book, I'm in, a and I got my Hellenistic astrology. <laughs> and it, it is, it, and it's, and I, I'm sure everyone, Chris included, would say, you know, take this, like you said, have, you know, get your chassis, you know, and then you, but the other side of it is to incorporate that. Like for every human being, we have to be ourselves. We have to be that unique dance. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And I remember when I first started studying, I went to the library, like I said, and I got all these books and it was just a mess. I mean, it was like mainly textbook, um, cookbook delineations about planets and signs, or right. I didn't understand how it all worked together. And, you know, even reading several books, there was just confusing messages. And I remember with Chris's, so I, I signed up for a course on Zodiacal Releasing first. I figured, well, this is something I can't find anywhere else. So let me take this course. Took it and it was like, well, this is a great technique. It's really interesting. But I still didn't have, for me, this question solved of what is the basic structure of how this system works so that I can kind of start work, uh, using it and deploying it. And then I said, all right, I'll take the rest of the course because I, I knew that I would learn that there. And that was the, the thing is with that course is that you, the best thing about it is you, I learned how to read ancient texts. And I learned then also that there's other commentators. It's not just Chris. I mean, there's uh, people that came before him, Robert Schmidt, Robert Hand, Ben Dykes. There's disagreements amongst even those guys. But it taught me that like, okay, I was introduced to the text. I learned the basic vocabulary. I started understanding a structure of how the planets and the houses and the signs can flow together in an elegant way, really to give something to another person. That's really why I think people need to find that for themselves. Even if it's a different system, we have, when clients come to us, we have to give them something that's, co that's coherent, cohesive, that makes sense and that we can repeat. It's not that every reading is the same, but there has to be a meth, a, some kind of method or the, re the readings aren't possible. The readings sort of fall away. And even Mark Jones talks about this, um, the evolutionary astrologer, Mark Jones, he says you have to develop a, you know, get a system that you have, even if it's simple. I mean, you could do a reading with just um, like with the evolutionary astrologers, they just do like the Pluto, Uranus and the nodes, and, and that's the reading. Right. And if you have a system where you're giving something someone a value with that chassis, that's their chassis, then you're good to go because, you know, and this is something I think we'll talk about, but I mean, there's much more than just the technical side of an astrology reading when you, of what you're giving and you're, you're giving actually your spiritual wisdom, your life wisdom, your analysis of, you know, street smarts, um, everything that an astrologer brings into the reading, 
um, include th most of it's even not technical astrology. It's it's these other things that then come in. So as long as you have a chassis, then you have you have a vehicle to give this other very profound mystical, if you want to, I, I, I take it that way, or secular intellectual, if you want to go that way, this gift to, that you give to someone else. Without the structure, there's no door, there's no way to get into the door. Right, so. the foundation. Yeah, and, and I'd, I'd like to hear more, I'd like for you to share with us your spiritual path and like how did that mesh with astrology? Like you said, you lost your mother at an early age. And that was a major, obviously, factor in your life. And then how did you mend from that? And, and when astrology came in, like you said, Dr. Jen Zart, you had that, you know, cosmic meetup with her. And then you got turned on to astrology, the cycles of time and Jupiter. But then how did, how did um, your spiritual path, how does that mesh? Or how did that mesh for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the Buddhist model. You did the Vipassana, you know, and then like how... How do you find, how do you marry them? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the Buddhist, so this, it kind of predates astrology a little bit. So the Buddhist model is almost a secular model. If you ask the hardcore Buddhists, they say, well, the Buddha himself said, yeah, there's all these gods and demons, but it's irrelevant. We don't even need to talk about that. Let's talk about the path um, to freedom from suffering. That's the only thing that's relevant. And it's, and he's not a God. The Buddha said, I'm not a God. I'm a human like you, but I've discovered this path that is, that leads to the freedom of suffering. So they, the, the, that Buddhism is very secular. Now I come from a Christian, I'm born in Texas. Um, I'm raised Catholic, but I'm born in a part of Texas where there is a, a hardcore revivalist Christianity <laughs> and this non-denominational sort of Christianity. Um, and part of my mother, uh, I'll say this briefly, but you know, when she was dying, she got involved in Pentecostalism. So there was a speaking in tongues. I was witnessing that uh, she would go to these healers and be speaking in tongues. So from, from a young age, I felt a strong sense of a connection to like divinity. I do kind of resonate with the Judeo-Christian idea. And even and this goes to the Hellenistic philosophy because Plato writes about this in Timaeus, but there is a creator, right? And that there's a world that's then created. And then we're, we're in the manifested or created realm. This physical form that we've manifested in is, is this created realm, but there's something outside of that. There's divine, there's whatever you wanna, words you wanna put to it. I think there's a divine entity or divine energy. So I sort of, I have the Buddhist practice. That's more of a technique to, to stay sane and to stay connected to my heart. And they have the loving kindness meditation also in that tradition, really opening up the right. heart. I think it jibes with the Christian model. You, know, you have the divine Christ, that, that sacred heart, you know, uh, but it's this heart centered kind of model. But the main point I'm making here is my cosmology includes divine energy and a, and a source. And I really actually started resonating more with the Gnostic version of reality that there is this, uh, a, a pleroma is what they call it. And that there was, so there's this divine source and this jibes with the Hindu world where you have these kind of divine realms and then things happen and then you end up creating what we're in. Um, so because I had already developed that before I found astrology, once I read Timaeus and realized that the ancient worldview included a God head or a godly realm and then this is the manifest realm so to plato and timaeus says that he made this realm at the same time he put the planets in place the god figure as a kind of clock for this realm that he created it was simultaneous time was created at the same time that the planets were installed in the sky as a cosmic clock that's my um wow. tradition 
so, so that's my worldview. It, it just, it meshed perfectly because it, it, I was like, all right, there's these divine forces. This is the cosmic clock. Um, it still includes a divine creator and that, you know, um, I don't know. I just never saw a problem. I never saw a conflict. It's the shortest answer. It was very easy to mesh. I never saw a conflict. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. And, and the fact that, you know, you, I'm sure you, the people that you attract are these, you know, we, we resonate. It's like when, um, you know, this, I'll, I'll just tell this story because I know, I know I told it to you, but I've, I've never shared this on, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you're new to this conversation, but Star Sound, the, the name Star Sound Astrology, when I knew it was time to go out in the world and do this work, I had spent many, many years, like 20 years of doing um, sound healing and energy medicine and, and healing with light and sound and language of light and um, energy work, right? Meridian clearing and very, very amazing. I could write a book about all the healings that occurred and the cosmic experiences and the downloads. And it was just really, really mystical, highly amazing work. And I thought that I had arrived, like that's what I would do for the rest of my life. Little did I know the universe had other plans for me, um, which was astrology, it ended up. But, but bridging from that, I had this dream when I asked the universe um, when it was time for me to do astrology. And, um, and I said, okay, what's the name of my practice? So, um, and I asked and I waited a few weeks and asked again. And then about maybe six weeks, two months passes and I get this dream, quote unquote, that I'm in this dark room. It was kind of like being in the void. And I saw um, in bright blazing white flame letters, www.starsoundastrology.com. And I was like, oh, I got the name of my website. And I just, boom, woke up like a bolt of lightning. But in that was this deep, deep download of like, of, and it was like the universe was telling me, you know, just like you know sound healing and crystal bowls and the language of light and that everything resonates with sound, just like you know on earth. Well, the planets resonate with sound. The planets, each planet has its own like sound frequency for like lack of a better, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my brain into English. It was what was given to me. And then when I read a chart, what I'm really reading is the sounds of the planets. So it's like, oh my God, like, and they, and they said, it was like, this is a really deep rabbit hole and more will be revealed as you go on. So, you know, I'm like, okay. So I, when I start a chart reading, I will inevitably um, sing the chart. Like that's what I was getting is to give people an experience of astrology. Not, and we, this is what you were talking about, SJ, like meshing the, the, the divine cosmic mystical side of ourselves with astrology is really like this you know, tool that we use that we, we source out and we bring, you know, through astrology, we, we bring this truth to others. And anyway, I, I was just, it was so, it was such a life altering experience to be seeing this, this, you know, getting my website in flaming white letters. I wasn't expecting it that way, but um, they had to get my attention. But the whole thing was of, of it going deep into this, um, you know, this, this understanding. And, and like, to this day, I'm like, okay, I, I know I'm ready for like another level, another level. So, um, but, um, but it is, is definitely about the experience of astrology. So yes, it's important that we have our chart readings and we understand these things. And then there's this part where we just let go of the left brain and we just go into the mystical. So, um, you know, that's what I, my desire and my commitment always is, you know, when I, when I do charts and sessions, 
Um, and and it and it definitely there's so much of us that resonates beyond this 3D world, you know, way way beyond the words that we tell somebody in a reading, the the words that we tell each other, the words that we tell ourselves. Oh my God, it's it's deep. The words that we tweet, the words that we tweet. I've had people come to me and just said, I read your tweets and I resonated something about your energy. And, you know, I find my tweets to be sometimes very just matter of fact. I try to just stick, this is the transit, this is what's happening, maybe a delineation. And, you know, but even that, that kind of maybe bland or, um, you know, uh, just matter of fact, like I said, formulaic, maybe, uh, you know, approach. And maybe for me, it's the wrong word, but just a reporter style model something can be communicated and then they come and there's clearly a reason you know because that yeah, that's i've always felt that by the way your twitter handle it let in case people want to it's at sj anderson 144 on twitter yeah and and yeah. i I've, I've learned so much from you and and i do feel it's like the one soul resonates with another and i'm like wow this so it's I've, I've wanted to have you on this show for the longest time. And um, I'm just so glad I'm finally, finally doing it. Um, and, it and if you just feel like a soul brother to me, you know, um, and I, I hope that we can continue, you know, um, you know, in future episodes, but yeah, that spiritual resonance. And I'm just hearing this, you know, giving people permission to, to be, I know that's what we do in astrology. We, we, it's our job to, you know, keep, presencing for everybody you know how magnificent we all we really are and no matter what transit we're going through let's face it we've gone through the probably the most intense year we've ever lived in our lives and maybe ever will um with the saturn jupiter pluto conjunction but oh my god it's like you know but but to to hold the highest light despite the devastation of you know millions of people and covid and deaths and such and it's like despite all of that external decay and death and you know clearing that, that we bring them through that it feels like that that what is that jesus talks in the bible about the the uh, the, the eye of the needle yeah like whew. We, it's not an easy job, guys. <laughs> it takes years to learn astrology. And like you said, all of your energy and your focus and your spiritual practice to like, you know, bring people through that. But I, I can't find anything. I don't know of anything more. Um, I love what I do. And I know you love what you do and you, you're really good at it. So I, I don't know, maybe segueing from that, um, you know, how do you, um, we're on top of this outrageous after this year, you know, I keep telling people, okay, keep going. Okay. It was like the baby's heads in the crowning is in like the birth canal. Right. And now like the head's just about to emerge next month in December. Right. We have this outrageous lineup. So, um, I would love to hear your take on that from that really intense spiritual mystical perspective of like, taking that from the cosmos and how does that translate astrologically? Like, what are we going to see next month? What are we going to see from that deep mystical perspective with the Saturn Pluto conjunction? So well, I think explain to people, some people are, you know, new to astrology. So we want to explain, you know, what, what does Jupiter represent? What is Saturn and this coming together in air signs. So if you could just walk everybody through that, you know, to, and then, do your thing. I, I hand you the microphone. All right. All right. I'll, I'll do my best. I wanted to just say one thing we're going to get sure. to see 
if you if if you're so inclined is you're actually going to get to see Jupiter Saturn in the sky become one planet for the yeah for the first time I think since like thir the 13th century that I think they'll be like appear as one planet potentially you mentioned something about the 1623 date too so maybe there were it's close then as well but it's a very special visual that non-astrologers are going to be enjoying uh, all over the world so if you're out there be sure to try to look at that in the sky it'll be in the setting sky because um, the sun will be in sagittarius uh, as they get really close and then right as the sun ingresses into capricorn the winter solstice that like hours later that same day while the sun is still in that first degree uh, so zero degrees capricorn the the conjunction will perfect um, between saturn and jupiter so it's going to be a profoundly impactful moment i mean i'll walk them through one thing i just is coming to mind now you, you guys remember you and you you folks out there remember a 20 the winter solstice 2012 and the hype that went into that yes and everybody said this is this winter solstice moment this is the end of the mayan calendar um but i think ash from an astrological perspective we're actually getting a supercharged very intensely uh, multi-cycle charged um, winter solstice this year so this is kind of if you were disappointed in 2012 this is um this is it this is it's now here um but to a little bit more background i mean so Jupiter and Saturn, just to say they make a 20 year cycle of meeting in the sky like this. Astrologers call it a conjunction. And so that's a wide cycle. It's 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 that's many years. Right. Um, these are the two planets we can see. So there's Pluto, there's Neptune, there's Uranus, those planets we don't really see. So there's a different quality in this uh, conjunction because it, we have this visual exchange with it. And the Pluto moment is very intense. It's a very intense part of 2020, but in some ways this visual uh, uh, you know, component makes this somehow more apparent maybe and, and more apparent in terms of its effect. Um, so there's that. Jupiter in the traditional system is uh, you know, benefactors, abundance, gifts, money. It's the positive things. We call it a benefic planet. Saturn is um, restriction, loss, sadness, um, you know, boundaries, walls, division, isolation, prison. So it's these, it's a difficult planet. It's cold. It's very cold. Jupiter's warm. Jupiter's hot. Saturn's cold, you know? And so there's, um, these planets coming together, um, though, these are the two planets closest to the divine realm in this ancient cosmology where you have, um, planetary spheres above earth and, Saturn is the planetary sphere closest to the fixed, the realm of the fixed stars, which is the eighth sphere. Then maybe the realm of Sophia, some of the Gnostic texts say that's the ninth sphere. Then you start getting into the Pleroma or these higher godly realms. But so Saturn and Jupiter are the two planets that are closest to the divine realm. Ah. When they're, so as they meet, there's this idea of these kind of two divine actors coming to seed this next 20 year cycle. Um, and 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 I can keep going here for a little bit, but so I'll just say this other thing is that right around, I'd say medieval, even before that, Arabic astrologers, so as the Hellenistic world dies, the Arabic world takes over um, as the um, custodian of the astrological tradition. Those yeah, they're very innovative, those, those astrologers. And that's when we start seeing the Jupiter-Saturn cycle being used astrologically to time mundane events. And this conjunction becomes very important. Um, astrologers around this time began noticing, or at least that's when the records appear, that 
Jupiter and Saturn conjoined in the same element for about a 200 year cycle. Um, and then every roughly 200 years, they merge or they move to the next element. So until 1980, starting in 1802 and ending in 1980, every Jupiter-Saturn conjunction was in an Earth sign. And that might be, it's around 1802. I think it could be 1803 potentially, but that's, um, we were in a series of these Earth sign Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions. Starting in 1980, there was a triple conjunction in Libra. Um, 2000, it reverted back um, based on the apparent conjunction to Taurus. The conjunction happened in Taurus, but now starting in 2020, and for every year until I think 2160, something like that. Don't quote, we can look that up later. You can look that up at home. But these Jupiter and Saturn conjunctions will be only in air signs, only in the element of air. So that's why this conjunction in particular, it's not only that it's a 20 year cycle, but it's actually kicking off a 140 year cycle of this predominance of the air element. And um, there's all kinds of techniques in the medieval text to, to describe or analyze what it will be like. But one more modern way to look at the, they, they call it the triplicity shift or the mutation conjunction, because we're mutating into the next element, um, is that the air element will predominate in our age. And so before when it was in earth, we saw like materialism, colonialism, imperialism, all these earth heavy, heavy bonded to the earth kind of thing oil, the steam engine, the industrial revolution. It was all about using the earth, making materials. The population grew, clean water, medicines were developed. All of that earth sign, those earth sign significations. I think the industrial revolution, they, they, they think it's like 1780 to 1820 is when they really right. mapped that, but it's right when this, this shift happened. The first um, industrial revolution, and then they, they, they put it in phases, the first one, the second, and now yeah. it's like we're moving to the third with AI. But yeah, so that was a major marker. So that was in, in the earth signs. And now what, if you can just share with us, you know, how do you see this um, with the, the Aquarian age? You know, we hear, oh, the age of Aquarius. You know, we had that song in the 60s, you know, the, the fifth dimension, right? The age of Aquarius. And what is that? How, do, how would you um, translate all of that into what we're going to be seeing with Jupiter and Saturn in, this, in an air sign, not just an air sign, but in Aquarius? Yeah, so I, I would say um, just quickly, if people can find me on YouTube, I, I, um, SJ Anderson 144, just type that in. And there's a video yes. I made if they want to go into more detail all about this. But the short yeah. answer is um, we're going to be dealing with this problem of technology um, and or this great solution of technology, right? I think it's a double edged sword like it always is. Even in the Industrial Revolution, great benefit, like I said, clean water, medicine. But then great downside, the oppression, the bondage of bodies, the factory uh, work, slavery, I mean, all of that. Right, the machinery of, yeah. The institution of slavery, which, you know, if you trace that, that might be um, some of the fire energy, depending on when that transatlantic slave trade, when we want to time that. But I'm thinking more about the, the slaves in the factories of, of like in, in, in England, you had children yeah. being child put in factories, labor. child labor that real exploitation of human bodies that emerged as the mechanization of production arose. That's the dark side. The light side, of course, is all the benefits that, that, that we got in terms of clean water, clean medicine, et cetera. So if you think about it, it's gonna be both. I don't see this new era 
only being positive or only being negative. It will have a dark side and it will have a light side. It has a shadow, yeah. yeah. The light side is the things that we've already seen. Remember, this is a transition. It's not like it's it, we wake up and it's a whole new it world. It happen overnight, yeah. And I think it started in 1980. Think about what happened in 1980, the rise of the personal computer. Um, that's right around the time when you started having compact computers and an Apple in everybody's home. And the Sony Walkman came out. That was a portable, yeah. That was a big breakthrough. A big breakthrough. So the Walkman, the early internet, maybe around that time. But then you go to 2000. So even though the apparent conjunction was in Taurus, the mean conjunction, which is a mathematical average, um, that was the first time the mean conjunction was in an air sign. That was in Gemini in 2000. So I, I'm viewing it starting in 1980 and ending in 2020 it has been a transition phase. And just so just think about what's happened in that time, the rise of the personal computer, the internet in the, in the late in the 90s, the early 90s with AOL and the rise of the, the dial up internet. That's when we started getting online. 2000, you, you get social media, Facebook, etc. By the time we're hitting 2010, the dominance of the mobile tech, it's becoming ever present. But we're getting into the AI, AI age now. So you have like things like AlphaGo. I think that's 2016, where Alpha in 2017, where AlphaGo beats the best Go players in the world with their AI technology. Okay. 2020 to me marks this kind of this 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 transition where I think from here on out we're going to have an integrated artificial intelligence digital system where there's almost omnipresent connection node, uh, nodes of connection into this 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 kind of hive mind. And um, I think that the dark side is, you know, all kinds of exploitation of, of the human spirit, you might say, um, that the human spirit will have to heal, be brought to heal um, to this kind of digital structure, these digital structures. These could be things like the, um, the addiction to social media. Think about how hard that's been for people that the internet at any moment, at any time, you can punch up anything you want and that's so seductive right. and it's and so um we're seeing the dark side already in this this 20-year cycle i think that's a big part of it where the see the the human spirit i think we have this immortal human spirit it has to be quickened though it's not like it's it's um it's given to us but we can choose to ignore it subdue it repress it and so the quickening of the spirit's one of my favorite phrases and i think in every age that is the job of the human being to quicken the soul quicken the spirit this digital age, we will have to learn how to quicken the spirit against this backdrop of, of this sort of seductive control control structure in a way, control of the attention. But if we can do that, if we can if we can modulate and moderate, then what we'll have is a, a our, our immortal spirit will be made primary, but then we can enter into this digital realm and use it for its highest capacity. And that's like what we're doing right now. Two souls connecting, sharing soul wisdom right. um, across the world. I'm in Belgrade, you're in America. So this connectivity of sharing the, you know, the best parts of the human spirit is yeah. the great upside. And even AI has an upside. I mean, you tell an AI to build a home, it's gonna build uh, an efficient functional home. Like in, in 30 seconds, it'll come up with a model then it would, can order the parts and print the home and boom. So you can solve homelessness with AI. I mean, you, you can fly in cars. I mean, the upside, as, at, atmospheric water generators to solve the water right. crisis. I mean, the upside is just tremendously beneficial to humanity, 
but we're gonna have to balance that out. And it's not a, just an individual task of quickening this, this sphere, but then there's this collective task. And this is where the Aquarius might come in because of Saturn rules Aquarius, Mercury rules Aquarius by air triplicity. Um, it's this great kind of um, an analytical technological authoritarianism. And I think people can you know, kind of do their own homework on that. But I do feel like that as we get teched out and there's surveillance grids and sort of checkpoints with the phone. I mean, I lived in China, you're always checking in with your phone. That can be used maybe by, by bad political actors in a way that maybe we should try to be aware of so that we can sort of come through and retain our civil liberties and retain our some semblance of privacy, privacy or bodily autonomy. These are the kind of things I'm more worried about as a, as a potential dark side from the collective. So. And the and the um, thank you and the, and the part that um, you know what really gets me um, excited and hopeful and optimistic is is that side that when I think of Aquarius, I think of you know universal brotherhood and like coming together and and progressive values and democracy being you know where everybody has a say and everyone is equal and um and and this is this is huge shift into this more humanitarian taking care of each other you know it's like wow that's that's um you know i i know the lunar eclipse on monday is going to be um in the usa chart um we have uranus and gemini eight degrees and the eclipse is going to be exactly on that on the usa uranus and so, yeah, the, I, I can see this, maybe it's, it's saying, you know, the world as we have known it is going to change so that the shadow side is be aware of, and hopefully we can close the door on this AI overtaking our lives. You know, it's, it's Stephen Hawking talked about this. This is a really serious threat. Elon Musk has spoken about it, many people. But the, uh, but the upside is of, of this coming together like, like like it's never been, you know, and, and, and we've evolved. It's not like just the cycle that comes back from the past. It's like, it doesn't come around in a circle, it actually spirals. So we're now in a higher place than when they were last there, than, than you know, 1802, you know, we're, we've moved out of that. And what does life look like? We, we all, we've had generations of the whole industrial revolution, you know, that was our whole reality base, but now, it's like, wow, we, we can get to imagine something truly ingenious and, and visionary and coming from the future, not from the past. So that's the, the whole humanitarian brotherhood aspect. Of course, I, I've always resonated with that. So, um, you know, but it gives us a lot of hope as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm always trying to stay hopeful. And even in the world we're in, I mean, being able to up until 2020, you know, being able to travel and see other countries, but with the cameras, that, that's part of the technology, too. I mean, you just go to YouTube, type in any, you could type in a small, tiny town in the middle of nowhere. And there's some vlogger, you know, with detailed analysis, and we could see the pictures of that city. So, you know, we're connected, we're connected like we've never been. And I do think there's a sense of a brotherhood of man was the John Lennon line, you know, so, I mean, we, we can, that, I, I'm excited about that. Absolutely. Um, let me just, let me see what else I was going to say here was, um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember it, but, you know, Saturn, oh, I, I would just say the modern, yeah, more modern, the modern delineation of Aquarius is much more, um, the edge is taken out sometimes. And this is the great debate in the astrology world, like does Saturn rule Aquarius or does Uranus? <laughs> and right. I think with oh. the Uranus, <laughs> With a with a Uranus and or both or both yeah and and 
but you see both sides of the Aquarian energy there, the more humanitarian, innovative for the benefit of the collective. Even, even if we use the 12 letter alphabet, Aquarius is the 11th house, which is so, that, that really harmo a house of friendship and benefits connection. to connection for others in a positive way. Yeah. And um, you know, so if we go that route, I, I definitely think that captures those symbols and that those approaches capture the potential upside very, very nicely and elegantly. Um, one thing I will say is like Saturn, if you wanna bring it to American political history, Saturn and Aquarius cycles um, have timed like the New Deal. That's when it was really brought into effect. And so that's in, in a way, a, in a, in a um, Uranian, a model of Aquarius where you're helping the collective and you're maybe distributing resources in a, in a yeah, more egalitarian way. AOC, the Green New Deal. The yeah. Green New Deal is exactly matching that. And then you have the Great Society with um, LBJ, which LBJ. was an anti-poverty programs and more kind of socialized models. So we are coming into that too, I think on a more of a shorter cycle with Saturn and Aquarius until March, 2023. And that's why part of why I predicted the Biden presidency, actually, this is the exact reason that that Aquarian energy was so strong with Saturn being there with a, a stellium of six traditional planets there on, during the new moon in February 2021, that it's it just matches these cycles of this kind of, um, um, how should we say, humanitarian political model that that Biden was already being talked about as being the Green, a Green New Deal FDR style president. But just to extract that cycle out to the larger cycle i think that yes. yeah I, I would tend to agree that those are the, the potential upsides this this sense of sharing and equality and you know the downside is that you strip away everything else and that people that say hey i want to have this i want to retain something here um that how is that going to have to be balanced and i'm i think it'll have to be an ongoing struggle for this next whether it's 20 years or 200 or 140 years or even a millennia, you know, or two millennia, if it's, if you want to say it's a um, processed cycle of one procession, you know, but that's the great challenge is that, that how will we retain our spirit and the, and the inner light and the kind of sense of individualism that I think is so beautiful and how do we mesh that together with this collective sort of technological structure. And, yeah, I like and, that, like you call it a challenge. I like that math better than struggle. I like like the challenge is, is to integrate is like the, the weaving together. So it's a it's not a um, yeah it's not that we don't want to be con the whole conquering energy I so associate with this previous you know Earth sign cycle conquering. It's like how about if we change out conquering so we don't want to be conquered by AI for example. Uh, but but it's like. Um, but how we can just learn to, um, you know, use it in, in its highest fashion. You know, one of the things I, um, I don't know if you ever saw those um, uh, Boston Dynamics, they had these robot dogs, you've seen, yeah, they're really creepy, you know, and so I, I kind of got a little nervous going, oh my goodness, a lunar eclipse with conjunct Uranus in, in uh, you know, and, and um, yeah, I mean, sorry, in, in the Uranus of the um, of the USA chart, I'm like, wow, you know, robots in neighborhoods, oy, you know, but we could stand up, you know, Re Uranus also rules revolution. So we could stand up to say, you know, the, enough is enough. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see more of that in this cycle. Um, 1933 and 1934 were the two largest protest years in, in modern US history when Saturn was fully in Aquarius and those two signs. 
And I think with the economic again, 1933 and 1934, um, the historians have deemed those the greatest protest years or the most protesting because the Great Depression was happening. Sure. People got into the streets and then and then the policymakers bent to the will of the people as a result of that protest. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of that because these changes that we're, we're entering into, it, there's a destruction of old livelihoods. I mean, we've seen that this year and that's going to have to be a solution, let's just say, you know, no problem, only solution to quote the John Lennon, you know, to paraphrase his quote again. Yeah, it's all, I always like think about what's the solution. It's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a nut to be cracked. It's a, really, I, I think about it as an issue that we have to learn to manage. And it's like anything, if you have, uh, it's cold here in Belgrade, I have to manage that when I leave, I have to put on my jacket, I have to get my gloves, and it's fine then. But I have had to you know, as it got cool, I had to get my cap out of my, my, my luggage. And so it's just how I see it. There's going to be these things that come up and we'll have to manage it so that we can retain the human spirit. And that's, you know, I'm optimistic. I think we will do that because it's, um, you know, the human spirit uh, is the most powerful thing in reality. I mean, that's creating reality. That's how people can like project thoughts and then make their reality happen. This doesn't have to be a woo, a woo thing. I mean, it's just, it's physics. You think something, you see it, you write it down, then you do it. I mean, the human will, the indomitable human will, you've heard it referred to as that. So I don't see that ever being snuffed out. I mean, we're just gonna, we're gonna manage. We're gonna manage. Yeah. yeah. And you know, too, when I, when I think of Aquarian energy, I also think of like ETs, <laughs> you know, like, you know, rules ETs. So we could be getting um, a, a whole other set of friends. <laughs> Or as I call them, friends from out of town. <laughs> yep. And so we're not just, it's not this narrow vision of us, like with that previous earth cycle, you know, it's like everything was so 3D. It's like, well, you know what? Now we have, you know, a fifth dimensional world or, or higher, uh, way many, many multiple, multiple dimensions, depending on, you know, what cosmology you'd like to, to go by. But they, all of the great wisdom traditions, you know, Buddhism and, and, and such and the Vedic traditions of India and, and Tibet, and 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 um, they always in Christianity, you know, and and uh, Islam, you know, everybody talks about this higher world. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that just starts to, you know, um, merge with what our, our reality, you know, our reality check. I mean, look at the, the you know the solar eclipse happening um, in December. Part of this whole, you know, not as the, the Jupiter Saturn links up, but the solar eclipse at 23 degrees of Sag conjunct the galactic center. You know, that's, that's, I mean, that's like the truth comes out and, and higher dimensional truths, esoteric truths that are really going to challenge our, our belief system. You know, I, I just thought, and I know this kind of sounds funny, and I'm not saying this in any political way, but, uh, you know, Amy Coney Barrett got, you know, nominated, right, and, and has, you know, been sworn in on the Supreme Court. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, she has this very, very religious, very conservative Catholic views. And um, what if somebody like her, you know, is walking down the street, leaves church and is walking down the street, and all of a sudden, like some spaceship lands in front of her, you know, talk about being challenged, like, here's my spiritual views, you know, Sagittarius, you know, it's religion. And it's like, here's my belief system. But now it's like, wow, you know, what, what's this, you know, it's like, our whole structure is of what we know to be reality is collapsing. So I, I would just ask you, like, what would, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, this, I definitely think in just this eclipse season, if we bring it to the lunar eclipse in Gemini, the solar eclipse in Sagittarius, 
Um, Gemini uh, is ruled by Mercury, Sagittarius by Jupiter. And those are the two planets that deal with truth in a way and like knowledge. And you know, Mercury is more of the catalogs and the kind of detailed lists of, of information. Jupiter is the worldview, the higher level model. Anytime we have an eclipse, it's it's inversions, it's disruption, it's it's newness. So I think that um, this, this period leading up to the Great Conjunction, which is eclipse season, even the Great Conjunction arguably still may be somewhat in eclipse season because there won't be another syzygy that that full moon comes after the full moon and cancer so um we'll still have some lingering eclipse energy for the great conjunction but i think yeah this time right now is going to be all about that uh, especially as we get to the end of the year i was thinking about this earlier these holidays are the first holidays that we've had since the um the you know corona crisis and that's since the whole world has been changed all of the 2020 uh, intensity. We haven't had a holidays period and holidays are generally that time of reflection. It's the end of that winding down. Usually you're celebrating the year ahead, uh, year that's gone by, but there's a look back, there's an integration of the events, there's planning for the year ahead. So I think it's going to hit for us. This is how I'm reading the Sag um, Gemini moment of this eclipse season is that we're having to have a look back and, and really understand just how intense 2020 has been in terms of removing um, our old way of life mm -hmm. and that's going to be hard for folks that, that potentially it's going to be some I encourage people to grieve is what I've been saying is that there's some grieving that we need to probably do to to kind of let go of the old uh, mindset and and have some room for this future that um, and and use it to our advantage you know um, you know and use it to our just to benefit ourselves and other people but that's how I see this immediate energy um in terms of yeah longer term i think it's just a general life philosophy for me that you know you have to stay open-minded and that's why the spiritual practice like meditation that's why i love vipassana because you're sitting there and you just see the thoughts and you just note the thoughts okay that's my thinking obsession thinking but you return to something that's not the thinking and that's the awareness of the breath or the body right and so you learn that the thoughts and the ideas are kind of just like clouds in the sky and, um, you know, so I, I, I do encourage people to, you know, kind of hold loosely the belief systems just because I think it's the spirit then. And with the Vipassana, you see there's like a heart radiance. There's a sun in the heart that, that can kind of radiate when, it, when, the, when the thinking is turned down. And um, I, maybe that's what the Sagittarius energy, you know, it's that warm energy. The sun uh, is a triplicity ruler of fire signs as well as Jupiter. So the sun in Sagittarius, it can be nice actually. Now it's an eclipse. So there's, there, there's all of that wonkiness, but I do think that maybe we can emerge with the heart open that solar radiance can be kind of a core that we, that we carry. And I think we have to carry that in every, every decade, every elements activation by the Saturn Jupiter conjunction, every cycle, it's that sun, that, that, that heart centered solar core. That's why the sun is so important in every astrological tradition. I mean, sun signs, astrology gets a bad rap, but maybe if you pick one planet, it might be want to be the sun. That's how we get the tropical zodiac is the movement of the sun. Okay. Everything is, you know, sect. The ancient okay. principle is at night. Where's the sun with the horizon? So, um, you know, the sun is how we get, just setting astrology aside. I mean, that sunlight, I've been walking here in Belgrade and like I go to that sunlight, I just want to feel it because it's cold here right now. So. 
Yeah. Um, those are some of my thoughts on that. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, eclipse season is always strange and it's always intense. I mean, we're in it now. I've had some really intense days, just really busy. And it's, I can tell it's the eclipses because this, this fadedness, the sense of kind of meeting people that you resonate with, right. this is all of the kind of things that can happen with eclipse season. I find that it can feel out of control. Right. And that's, that's my a really nice phrase for it because it gets out of control. Life gets out of our control. And so what are you going to do with that? Are you going to resist or will you, will you try to um, just maybe get spiritual? So I've been saying like, let the life happen to you instead of trying to get into it and, and fight it. That's what we can do. And in the Vedic tradition, that's what they say with the clip season is you have to do mantra, just go turn down and just get very, very spiritual. I think it's because of how intense it can be and with things getting out of our control during eclipse season you know and yeah, so we have to be the lights are off yeah this is not the time to be doing 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 it's just yeah when the lights go off in the room you just just sit you know there's this funny saying i saw in a t-shirt once it said meditation don't just do something sit there <laughs> so maybe yeah. that would be a good uh, reminder for eclipse season is just i know and it's you know as much as we're still buying christmas presents even though we probably are buying them online and not doing the the whole black friday kind of crazy intense shopping experience that in, in america that has been unfortunately has defined so much of merchants and mercantilism but um mm -hmm. now we are there is another way you know there's there's another way to be here and um and these eclipses are just cosmic huge to me they're like cosmic wake-up calls and reminders like you were saying about jupiter you know this is the jupiter is gonna is the ruler of this solar eclipse because you know it's in sag and so it's like our belief system and and what we think to that we know <clears throat> like i know everything i know how it is it's like no let, let's upend that like you don't know <laughs> you really don't <laughs> and uh and just you know put that on your plate <laughs> and just see what is what's that going to do for you and what area that the eclipse is going to fall in your house you know uh, what what area of your chart is this eclipse going to fall in you know and, and it's that's the area of your life where you're going to get this you know wake up call like hey wait a minute you know you think you what you think and what you believe and what you know that's what i love by the way sj when i was sat in the vipassana course uh, Sri Genka, of course, he has long since passed on. Um, now he's a Buddha, you know, he was a Buddha on the earth plane, but um, he, he talked about, you know, there's this thing about in, in, in religion where you got to believe something. And he said here, you know, we don't believe in things. We, we know it. We know it from direct experience. So there's this thing versus no, no real lived experience versus beliefs like somebody tells you. You know, I remember in Catholic school, I went to, I went to Catholic school in, you know, eight years and you know, you'd, you'd ask the nuns about, you know, well, what about such and such, you know, some theological question and, uh, you know, like something didn't make sense. And then, and they would say, well, just, just take it on faith. That was always the answer. You, you just have to take it on faith. It's like, but, but wait a minute, I'm just trying to integrate all this. <laughs> it's like, okay. But yeah, it, it's definitely about, um, you know, uh, th this, the distinction between believing something because your parents or the nuns or whoever, you know, society told you to believe this certain thing versus your your direct experience this is what i love um i've never done ayahuasca but um um the um i love listening to um the um the experiences of um terence mckenna you know talk on youtube i mean i 
God, you can just, that to me is a whole ayahuasca, just listening to him. And um, I encourage people to go, you know, look him up if you've never heard of Terrence McKenna. But that would be a very good Jim Sage conversation is, you know, he, he talked about that. The only knowledge that really matters, it's not like when you were saying earlier about, you know, Timothy Leary leaving behind Harvard and the intellectual world. It's like the only, and that's all again, theory and people who have gone before and learning. And not that they, that, that, that they, there's a value, of course. There's, of course, there's a value to that. But like you said earlier, I loved how you said, you know, ultimately you just, you integrate all that and then you just let go and find yourself in it. And I think that's what these eclipse cycles are really calling us to do is like, get rid of that. It's, it's not like, like you're like, let your belief system be dismantled here. We're going to turn the lights off. So everything that, you know, for a few minutes, we're going to turn the lights off, you know, and let that like a homeopathic, let that energy resonate for the next several months or year or two years. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And you might think about like fanaticism. Sometimes you see as the, the dark side of the Sagittarian energy, right? Where it's just, it's that you, you hold that belief and then you kind of use it as a, maybe a weapon right. against people, you know, and that's the fire energy, you know? Um, but I think with, with the, 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 the kind of um, Jupiter energy that I like is where it's, you said it's like belief maybe is fanaticism, but knowing, see the other side of Jupiter is that cash of the bank account. It's there, that money in the pocket, right? You can feel it, you can touch it, you know, it's there. Yeah. Um, and, Ju and Jupiter can signify that actually it can signify really abundance, material abundance. So I just think that's a nice little distinction there, but I mean, it, some of the beliefs um, too can be useful for a period. That's why I think it's just the key is to hold it loosely because like, and um, what's this might be Buddhist, I think it is, but there's just a spiritual um, uh, aphorism or the spiritual myth or tale that you hear of this, as you get across a river. I think the Buddha said this actually, you use the raft and then the monks were still carrying the raft with them. And then, and then he said, lay it down. You've, it's done, you, the raft has served its purpose. We're across the river now. You don't need the burden of carrying that heavy raft. So sometimes beliefs are just temporary and they're useful for uh, to get us through one moment of our lives. But then, yeah, it's time to let them go. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you on all that. I think you said it beautifully. Um, Thank you. Yeah, the eclipse is definitely reminding. It's, it's a it's a takes a village, right? It's never just one. Um, but yes, this conversation is definitely revealing a lot of things. And yeah, it, it just comes to me. It's like, yeah, of course, just let that be a bridge or, or just the fact of, it's just highlighting the need to, you know, don't get fixated on anyone. Cause you said that, like you were saying, the dark side of Sagittarian Jupiter energy is this fanatic religious fundamentalism of any religion. It could be, you know, whatever. It's always that, you know, right and wrong and, you know, doing what's right. And I, my way is the highway. And, you know, and that's definitely um, coming up for us is, you know, what you know to be reality. And yeah, so um, yeah. And, and you know what, as you were saying that, Estee, I was thinking, you know, I don't know, I don't remember the, the, the rock band that sings this song, but you know that that tune, um, uh, just hold on loosely and don't let go. Or if you cling too tightly, you're gonna lose control. Uh, you know, it's, it's- I heard the melody there. I kind of recognize that melody, but I, I um, is that a 60s band? The who? Is that a 60s band, a band um, from the 90s? Yeah, I don't know. I, I want to say it's 80s, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm blanking out of who this, I'm not, I'm, I'm never good at figuring out these people's names of these these singers and artists, but 
but that uh, in a way that's kind of like the the theme song you know it's like don't don't you know like you said with that raft in the river don't don't hang on so tight that <laughs> you know if you if you hang on too tight of course you know it, it breaks but this is the uh, every 18 years we have our eclipses will come back to that sign that's cycles of time and and so these eclipses are definitely shaking up our belief systems and you know i love the fact that the previous eclipse cycle with jem sage is the beatles had had uh, came to america and that's when it just you know they they upended you know they upended all of this you know the way we all had it nicely nailed down and you know it's like oh wow you know the youth revolution the whole gemini youth and i remember being in in church and i remember um like like uh when um guys started growing their hair over their collar i mean that that was outrageous like it, it's just laughable now right but i mean the fact that a guy would let his hair grow over his ear and over his collar was like that was like blasphemy you know <laughs> it's like it's so funny and that was that was that eclipse cycle so here we go again with um you know just just breaking loose you <laughs> know Dylan went electric, uh, I think, in that uh, Gemini um, North Node transit in 1964, or no, 65, uh, Newport Folk Festival, he went electric. I, I tweeted about this, actually, because oh. when the node shifted, I was really analyzing it. The moonwalk with Michael Jackson happened in the 80s version, and okay. then Kelly Clarkson won the first American Idol, so that shift, I mean, it, it does seem like there's innovation and entertainment that has been a part of, right. of that. Um, so, and also, by the way, the, the North Node in Gemini, there's a lot of um, UFO activity. Roswell, right. um, a bunch of them have been with that North Node in Gemini. So I think there's something about, like you had alluded to earlier, suggested that Gemini energy, there's something off world about that. There's something, uh, you know, that with Mercury maybe being that intermediary with the gods, maybe Mercury is like some kind of spaceship here. <laughs> And the North Intermediary, Node is... right? Because Mercury would was the god. That, you know, he was the messenger god. He would travel in and out of dimensions. So yeah. the fact that Mercury is such a strong uh, has such a strong role in this time period of time. Yeah, I mentioned that on when I was um, gave my little eclipse talk on on Stormy Grace's channel, and um, we just uh, we, and I said, you know, guys, we're we're probably going to see some UFO activity. Um, you know, I think that that'll be pretty pretty cool. Um, you know, and, and Project Blue Book was like a big, you know, people were getting fed up with the weather balloon. Everything was a weather balloon, you know, and the, and the, by the time the, by the time this eclipse cycle happened in 65 or so, people were just hearing too many weather balloons. It was always the answer was the weather balloon or or whatever, you know, weather, weather anomaly. But yeah, so here we are. It's like, OK, is it really just a weather? You know, can you can you ascribe it was that rational mind, right? That that whole, oh, it, it must be this thing. And yeah, so this is all getting upended. And um, and that that's gonna help us a lot, I think, too, when, when, in, in, when you were saying about the dark side of Aquarian energy, I think it's gonna, I think that will give us a whole nother uh, place to go with all that. Like it doesn't have to, we don't have to go through that dark road you know we we can choose we we really have we always have had choice in the matter throughout all of history and now more than ever humans on the planet we're there's more of us that are become more woke you know so we can provide that tipping point i mean you know that's just what's coming up for me but anyway yay
Oh, well, so much to look forward to. And yeah, um, and I would just say in closing, is there any, um, any particular advice you have? I mean, like you were, I liked when you said about mantra and meditation, you know, for the eclipse and just for that middle, that middle week of December, when we do greet Jupiter and Saturn, go out in the sky, right? We go to the Western sky, the setting sun, and we can see it as that's gonna be trippy. And trippy. what about in terms of advice for just in terms of being, what, what kind of advice would you leave us with for this particular? Uh yeah, I would say, I would say, I mean, the mantra is maybe the most important practical tip I want to point people to. And if you just go to YouTube, type in uh, K2, uh, sorry, for the, for the lunar eclipse, Rahu mantra. And there's a bunch of nice songs that are really spiritually resonant. And I just find one that you like and just listen to it. It's really can settle because you mentioned earlier about the sounds of the planets. And I do think that there is a, a resonant uh, energy or sound when we say the mantra that's what they're that's what it's the articulation of those syllables um, being a way to kind of call call an energy and so when you do the rahu or even just listen to someone calling that rahu energy it's a way to to connect with the spiritual side i think at the moment so i would encourage that i've already been doing that i've had to it's just been so intense i'm like all right time i just put them on i listen to them almost no other music or anything and it just settles me um, so that in terms of being, I would just say the only other thing is that there's the settling side of the eclipses where we have to kind of turn down, but I find almost over and over again, it's, uh, it, that's not how the eclipse energy is. The eclipse energy is actually really, it calls us into action at, at parts of our lives. Like you'll hear people, I met my husband, I got married, I had a child. So sometimes as fate is happening in a real dynamic way, if that's the way someone's experiencing eclipse season right now, um, I do think it's just it's just a let go, go with it, meet the moment, every moment, and, and try not to think too far ahead. Like, let's not think about January right now. Just meet every day uh, in this eclipse season the best you can, moment to moment, expect the unexpected and just roll with it. If it's difficult, if it's challenging, if it's intensely beautiful and profound, maybe you have a new partner and you're just, it's that bliss phase, mm -hmm. but just try to take everything one moment at a time and not really plan too much into January because that's what happens with eclipses. When they're over, it's almost things happen that we couldn't have known were going to happen that then we'll have to gonna replan for anyway. So maybe try to not do as much planning until, um, late December, maybe the 30th or even into the first week of January. Right. Or if you do plan, just know that like, hey, everything can change. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, keep, yeah, so. Awesome. Thank you. And by the way, the Rahu K2, for those of you who might not be familiar with these terms, it's, um, it's uh, spelled, Rahu is spelled R-A-H-U and K2 is not K in the number two, you know, like the mountain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's, it's a K-E-T-U, K2. So Rahu is north, it means the north node in the, in the Vedic tradition, Rahu is the north node and K2 is the south node. The north node and the south node, nodes of the moon. This is where we have our eclipses are always, um, so Rahu, K2, we'll either have a north node or a south node eclipse. And that it would be indicating incoming energy versus what we are purging and, and letting go of, what we need to embrace to evolve and what we need to let go of. So it's this beautiful cosmic harmony. It's always in play. And 
Yeah. Love astrology. So yeah, Rahu and Ketu mantras. And so when I, as you were saying that, just to, in closing, you know, we literally attune ourselves with these changes. We are, we, you know, my my dear friend Ken Rolla, he talks about he he's an engineer and a scientist, and he's freshandalive.com is my I think he might even still have it up from a year ago. I gave his 2020 preview of you know this crazy world that we're gonna have in 2020. But he he's cool because he's a scientist and he gets the scalar energies. And he said that's what it is. Yeah, he said you know yogis call it prana that prana or or um, that emits from planets. You know in in the in the Vedas we call it prana, but um, it's a scale. In the physicist or scientist we call it scalar energy. So when you singing you know mantra singing is you are these ancient like my star language you know or or sanskrit or any of these sacred languages hebrew whatever um you're chanting and you are uh, literally resonating with that particular um whether it's a planet you know which is this cosmic this is aspect of consciousness and so we're we're in aligning the, with the eclipses. That is a really good practice to. Uh, you can also sing. You know, there's Jupiter. You know, and Pluto is Shiva. So you can you can whatever you're feeling. Not to be dogmatic, right? Especially this, this cycle. No dogma. Absolutely. I just I I was telling people in my last video just whatever prayer. I mean, just it's real open. What you resonate with, just like you said. Um, one thing I just want to say. Maybe this will be for a future conversation. But the western astrological magic tradition yes um this is actually the whole theory behind it and that there's that everything in our reality is actually constructed of um a planetary resonance and that's why when they do their rituals you find the recipes like go get this bark this incense because you're matching a material manifestation of a planetary energy at the same time that you have a configuration that matches but the theory is that the planets are actually in our material realm, in our bodies. Like your natal chart is the the the, re, the planetary recipe of you, is baby woman. The planetary recipe of you. I yeah. love that. Yeah. You got to tweet that. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe I'll, I'll make a note here. But so you know, it's just there is in even the Western tradition this this um, this idea. Anyhow, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop there because I'm, I'm, it's towards the end of my day. My brain is sure. Kind of, yeah, no, kind of thank you. Down. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. I appreciate that. Wow, we've covered so many things here. I'm so grateful. Um, so anyway, so you, so you guys, SJ Anderson, at SJ Anderson 144 on Twitter. And the YouTube channel is just SJ Anderson, right? Your YouTube. SJ Anderson one. Well, the name is SJ Anderson, but the URL is like YouTube, I guess, user SJ Anderson 144. Okay. But if you just type my name and SJ Anderson into YouTube, it should just bring me right up. And um, astrology. Yeah. Yeah. great videos, uh, wonderful guidance, um, heart centered. Yay. <laughs> so thank you so much. We really appreciate your time um, on this and, um, we just, I'm sending out a blessing to all of us that may, may we just move through this time. And we will be, of course, sharing more about the upcoming, you know, we have the eclipse and the winter solstice and all. Uh, this is a huge conversation. This is, it's not just a one conversation kind of event, you know, like just like 2020. So we're all here for each other. Um, you can get an outrageous reading from SJ. You can just, um, you have an email address. Where can people contact you if they want to get, or your website? 
Yeah, just go to my website, sjanderson144.com. Right at the top, I have a thing. It's a big link. The first thing, click here to schedule a reading. Just click there, and then I'll take you to the readings page. And yeah, I, I love to read. I'd be honored to read for anybody out there. It's a great privilege of the astrology. I'm a consulting astrologer. There's all different kinds, but that's one of my um, commitments is to always be available to others and be an interpreter of, of the planets for other people for their, for their benefits. So yeah, cool. that's how awesome. you can find me. Thank you. All right. All right. So um, yeah, so may we all um, just to our final little send off, our little prayer is like that we, that everybody just, um, re I'm just hearing, seeing these words, you know, just to rejoice in life and, um, you know, and allow, this is my, like my higher self is saying, you know, allow ourselves to expand and um, letting go of the past and just allow ourselves to expand, um, be in that unknown. That's, that's our, our prayer, you know, as we move forward into this outrageous timing of stepping through this portal. Um, so, and so it is. And so, yay. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, thank you, SJ. And uh, this is Irliana Samsara, Star Sound Speaks star sound astrology um thank you all for listening namaste okay um yay